Hi, everyone. This is Jim McCarty, welcoming you to the LL Research Podcast in the Now, episode number 53. LL Research is a nonprofit organization dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. And toward this end, has two websites the archive website, llresearch.org, and the community website, bringforth.org. During each episode, those of us at LL Research form a panel to consider questions from spiritual seekers. Our panel consists of Gary Bean, Director of LL Research, and Austin Bridges, Assistant Director of LL Research, along with myself, husband to the late Carla L. Record, scribe for the Raw Contact and President of LL Research, each of us a devoted seeker and student of the Law of One. We will be discussing questions that are sent to us from spiritual seekers around the globe. Our replies to these questions are not final or authoritative. Instead, they are generally subjective interpretations stemming from our own studies and life experiences. We intend this podcast to be a platform of discussion as we consider questions that often challenge us to articulate our own perspective. We always ask each who listens to exercise his own discernment and listen for her own resonance in determining what is true. If you'd like to submit a question for the show, please do so. Our humble podcast relies on your questions. You may either send an email to contact at llresearch.org or go to llresearch.org forward slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Jim McCarty, and we're embarking on a new episode of LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Now. Austin and Gary, are you ready to go? I am indeed. And I am as well. All righty, here we go. This is from Danilo via email. Hola, amigos. (laughs) Could you please explain why the acceptance is so central in the raw material? Ra put it at the same level as seeking forgiveness or balance. I would like to understand it better, because I haven't read this aspect in other spiritual material before. What do you think about it? What are your thoughts? Thank you, guys. Love and light to all at LA Research. Austin, what do you think about acceptance? Um, I appreciate this question, because it's caused me to ask myself a type of foundational question that tends to go ignored uh, when one has spent so much time studying a material like this. And that question, I think, is what exactly is acceptance? Um, It seems like such a fundamental concept that defining it shouldn't be difficult, but when I was trying to come up with an answer to this question, I found that my own understanding was mostly intuitive rather than intellectual when it comes to how this concept is used in the Law of One. So I had a little bit of difficulty figuring out exactly how to describe acceptance so that I could discuss uh, Denny Lowe's question. So the best that I could come up with uh, is that, to Ra, acceptance is a sort of uh, simple allowing or consenting to circumstances as they are. It's almost easier to think about it in relationship to its opposites, which seem to me to be control, resistance, or rejection. I think that uh, this is crucial to the two polarities and how they relate to the world. As Ra says, the positive path is the path of acceptance, and the negative path is the path of control. A negative entity looks upon the world and rejects it, feeling as though 
the entity knows the proper order of how it should be rather than how it is, and then moves to force it to change according to its own perspective. And a positive entity looks upon the world with acceptance, not feeling that there is something fundamentally wrong that needs to be changed through control, but rather finding each aspect of the world perfect and deserving of love, no matter the state that it is in. That's a very simplified take on the polarities, and I don't intend to mean that a positive being can't seek to change the world, but it is sort of a caricature uh, to describe how I feel the two polarities fundamentally approach their reality. So, acceptance seems to be what allows one uh, to see, sort of follow the positive path. Uh, acceptance allows one to love to understand, to forgive, or to balance. It is fundamental to these things in my eyes. Before one can truly love anything, that thing must be accepted within that person's consciousness. There can't be a rejection of that thing within that person's consciousness. Otherwise, it cannot be offered that love. A true forgiveness cannot be found, in my opinion, without an acceptance of the circumstances and the people involved. Um, balance cannot happen without an acceptance of the aspects within yourself that you are attempting to balance. There is uh, so much about the positive polarity that just requires an acceptance of the things within oneself and the things in the world before uh, there's any more headway that can be made towards these things. I think that is truly fundamental to the path. And there's a lot to debate about the positive path's ability to work for change in the world and what activism looks like to a positive seeker. It's an incredibly deep topic to explore. And it uh, might seem like a paradox that one can accept the world but still want to change it. I do think that a lot of activism, though not all, but a lot, is fueled by catalyst which has yet to be processed and things about ourselves in the world that have not yet been accepted and that we cannot find within ourselves to love. Uh, many of our actions when dealing with society at large tend to come from a place of emotion rather than a place of balanced love and compassion and acceptance. But to me, uh, the acceptance should always come first as a precursor to any action for an entity on the positive path. I feel uh, that if I am called to act in a certain way, I will work with the situation and emotions in my mind extensively, seeking out any aspect of myself which is not in a state of acceptance of the circumstances and of the situation of myself or of other people before I take action on whatever it is that I'm called to take action on. Or if I'm not afforded the time, if it's something that really needs to happen now, I will act and then examine the situation later, seeking acceptance of all aspects. I don't think it necessarily has to cripple us in a moment to have to find acceptance before we do anything. But um, if you are at least trying to act out of love and then uh, look later for things that may not have been in acceptance, um, I think that's the proper for the positive path as well. But uh, essentially, to answer the heart of Danilo's question is, I simply think that acceptance is primary and fundamental to all of the other things that you might find upon the positive path, like love and forgiveness and balancing.
So that's my initial thoughts. Back to you, Jim. Very good, Austin. I enjoyed that. Gary, what have you to say about acceptance? Um, <clears throat> I want to say first that I'm grateful that that we get to do what we get to do. <clears throat> and we get to do it with sunlight coming through the windows during the day. There's people that perform their vocations or just do what they do to earn money and don't get to see the sunlight during the day. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like Austin, this is one of those questions that is kind of assumed and not looked at always directly because the mind moves on to more complex-looking problems. But um, it's very helpful to look at something like asking oneself, what is acceptance. So why is it so central, as Danilo asked? Um, if I could say only one thing, it would be this, that it is central because you are all things. There is nothing that you encounter that is not ultimately you. So I thought of an, an analogy. Consider that we live in an illusion of separation and fragmentation and disunity. Now imagine that situation being represented by a mirror which has been shattered into many pieces. So the function of love and acceptance then might, in this analogy, be seen to be the quote-unquote melting influence that restores all the shards of mirror to their rightful place, synthesizing, integrating, unifying, and melting the pieces back into a seamless whole the full image being revealed for the first time. And then once the mirror is restored, the eyes no longer see the individual pieces themselves, but rather the one true face that is reflected in the image. And that face is yours. That face is the creator's. But it's seeing or recognition necessarily involves the coming back together of all these different shards. So those things which block acceptance and love, such as judgment, fear, hate, control, these are ways that you have rejected portions of yourself, whether it's, it's sourced as internal to you or outside of you. Either way, those energies are literally stopping you from seeing the Creator, or rather, you're distorting the Creator. <clears throat> these are ways that you decline or adamantly refuse to recognize, acknowledge, and honor the total unity of all things. So if the seeker can transform these energies of judgment, fear, hate, and control into love, acceptance, and forgiveness, then the understanding is restored to a vision of unity that sees, accepts, and integrates all things. Um, and I really liked what Austin had to say about polarity. I haven't hadn't explored that um, crucial aspect in my own reply. But um, just to link acceptance back into the chakra system and its function therein, um, acceptance is, is the energy of the green ray. It's, um, it opens that chakra and it sustains that energy center. And the heart then, as Ra describes it, is the key to the positive polarity to polarization along that path. It's the key to working in the uh, higher energy centers of blue, indigo, and, and violet. And uh, it's the springboard, uh, ultimately, to intelligent infinity. Ra even describes the love 
that um, is native to the green ray as being uh, the um, the key to sexual energy transfer and the key to protection itself in metaphysical workings. So acceptance is part of all that and is central for those reasons, but it still feels like there's something even more fundamental that could be targeted, but that's as much headway as my mind made into it. So back to you, Jim. Very good, Gary. Enjoyed your answer too. Well, uh, as you both have said, acceptance is a primary feature of the raw contact and uh, raw used acceptance in a number of places to illustrate its importance. Uh, one of them was in 2630 where Don's asking about uh, the mechanism of planetary healing. And Ra says, healing is a process of acceptance, forgiveness, and a possible restitution. So in order to be able to uh, try to heal our planet, we have to be able to accept where it is right now and begin to fashion another vision that would include uh, forgiveness of all the efforts of humanity that have brought it to the point of its degradation and needing to be healed and uh, hopefully making a restitution as well. But it begins with acceptance of the way the situation is right now. And then in 32.5, um, Don says, could you tell me the difference that occurs between green and blue with the emphasis on Blu-ray? This touches on some of what Gary just said. Uh, Ra says, with the green ray transfer of energy, you now come to the great turning point sexually as well as in each other mode of experience. The green ray may then be turned outward, the entity then giving rather than receiving. The first giving beyond green ray is the giving of acceptance or freedom thus allowing the recipient of Blu-ray energy transfer the opportunity for a feeling of being accepted, thus freeing the other self to express itself to the giver of this ray. So once we've reached the uh, Green Ray Energy Center, we have the ability to move further and go up the energy centers to the blue, and one of the primary uh, qualities we need is the uh, giving of acceptance and the accepting of... I kind of call um, equal or equate acceptance and love. Although I think that um, if you can love somebody, then the product of that in your behavior is the ability to accept them. So I think love and acceptance are very, very closely related. In uh, 3214, Ra is talking about uh, the indigo ray and how it's open. And he says, the indigo ray is open only through considerable discipline and practice, largely having to do with acceptance of self not only as a polarized and balanced self, but as a creator, as an entity of infinite worth. This will begin to activate the indigo ray. So acceptance is used uh, just about everywhere, especially with the self when you're trying to move into the higher energy centers and be able to express the nature of the creator in its uh, intelligent energy and intelligent infinity. And then in 34.5, uh, Don's asking about karma and how to alleviate karma. And... Uh, how an entity can get to the point of forgiveness and thus alleviate the karma. And Ra says, uh, both self and any involved other self may at any time, through the process of understanding, acceptance, and forgiveness, ameliorate these patterns. So acceptance here is used to uh, help relieve the karma that we can develop when we go too far in one direction, a distortion in a certain direction that needs balance. And acceptance is one way of helping to balance that. So I think overall... To be able to accept uh, our life and the world we're in and the path we're on, we need to be able to accept and recognize the unity of the creation all around us, as Gary said, the power of love to transform, the fact that the whole creation is made out of light. Uh, it's 
helpful to accept the uh, nature of reality if you want to grow spiritually. And I think that uh, acceptance is one of the primary features, as Adanilo noted. Uh, acceptance is not fooled by any kind of distortion or illusion. Acceptance is uh, given freely, just as love, to uh, all entities. And as I said, I believe that acceptance pretty much equals love, which equals balance, which eventually equals a harvestability as we're able to uh, open our heart energy center and welcome and enjoy the creation around us. Any final thoughts on this question, guys? Just a brief recommendation um, of Eckhart Tolle's work as a, a supreme exponent of acceptance from a spiritual standpoint and its function in the life. All right. Austin, anything from you? Nope, I don't think so. I appreciate both of your answers very much. Alrighty, well, let's move on then to uh, Vanessa via email. She says, I would like to hear your opinions on the recent false news rumor mongering, and I think it would be helpful to discuss how to refine one's own discernment in regards to distinguishing truth in the news and how to gently assist and support the people around us who are confused. Please include some practical pointers beyond meditation and radiation of love light. There goes some example tools we're going to use here <laughs> for those people who are not ready to include the spiritual practice of meditation in their daily lives which is a considerable portion of the population of the u.s at present so gary minus the tools of meditation and radiation of love light what would you recommend for people to deal with the false news mongering damn that's all i had meditation <laughs> radiation yeah we should just skip this question <laughs> yeah I don't, I don't think there's anything more we can come up with um I uh, took that first sentence asking for opinions on recent false news rumor-mongering as a uh, license to perform some analysis of the situation. So buckle down because it's kind of a, a longest answer. Um, <laughs> it is, it's indeed a, a very topical question for our present space-time nexus, as Ra would call it. And it's also a topic that uh, I would prefer to hear others more informed than me speak to, but because it is my solemn honor duty to attempt a reply to these questions, I accept Vanessa's challenge. Um, I've been personally somewhat aware of this, shall we say, problem of fake news for some time. Uh, but for this question, I did a little bit of research with some reading and listening to a couple of great podcasts. Uh, one of which was a fresh air episode from December 14th titled How Fake News Spreads and Why People Believe It. And uh, before the great Diane Rehm went off air, or at least on her NPR program, an episode from November 16th titled The Power of Fake News and Personalized Social Media Feeds. And then uh, I took notes and then lost half of them. So um, firstly, I would agree with you, Vanessa, that fake news is a real issue. Um, while all catalysts can be used for spiritual growth and service, I see this particular issue as one which does not decrease but increases distortion. Um, and one needn't look far to see its repercussions, including erosion of a common ground of mutually understood facts, uh, complicating communication between groups, and further widening a, a polarized divide. And um, I learned about studies that have been undertaken on this phenomena in the past year, uh, tied, of course, to the recent U.S. election. And one hugely important variable in this equation is social media. Uh, a Pew uh, study found that 44% of Americans were getting most of their news from social media, while 62% reported some of their news. 
And with 2 billion people on Facebook alone, um, even the most outrageous lie has a chance of being massively amplified and distributed. And as the algorithms of social media and the internet in general are designed to do, um, each person who shares, likes, or engages with fake news in some manner is likely to then just receive more of the same in a cycle of reinforcement. Um, and in another study of fake or misleading news material conducted by BuzzFeed and another entity, I forget who it was, um, it was discovered that fake news often even outperformed the legitimate fact-based news. Uh, it got liked or shared or commented on more. So why is that? Um, I don't have the complete answer, but some answers of the low-hanging fruit variety are within reach, I think. Um, one reason is that trust in traditional media has been eroded for multiple uh, causes, including um, journalistic bias and corporate interest or control and media becoming entertainment and the rise of hyperpartisan news outlets, uh, etc. Um, so people are increasingly turning elsewhere for their news. And another reason is that uh, fake news tends to hit the what I would call the lower emotional notes really well, uh, especially anger and anxiety, hate, fear. Um, and when it strikes that emotional resonance with readers, the facts of the matter become less important. There is, there's, um, Austin can probably speak better to this, there's research on the brain's physiology and functioning to describe how certain portions of the brain have the chance to react before the rational. Uh, portions of the mind. Um, but then what about if, so if there is a proliferation of uh, false information, then what about facts to the contrary? Um, I think a challenge there is that humans have an emotional resistance to being wrong and generally don't want their beliefs challenged. Uh, so when offering debunking or contrary info, um, many people just tend to dig further into their beliefs and seek information that will just confirm their pre-existing conceptions. Uh, oftentimes, one's beliefs are an article of faith, almost. So I think those reasons are, are part of the equation. But as you examine one cause, it leads to the next and the next until you realize that the, the entire system is, is implicated. And as you go deeper, the fake news issue connects in, uh, directly into the narratives that we tell ourselves about who we are and what reality is and what our relationship to each other is, etc. Um, guiding fake or misleading news are underlying narratives of, of fear or victimhood, blame, anger, hyper-awareness of threats, and so forth. Um, it all really feels like stuck and imbalanced lower chakra energy to me. But it goes even deeper, and this is where we dovetail into metaphysics. Um, it, I think it goes to the veil itself that creates the environment where we work, as Ra says, with the candlelight and the darkness, uh, the true nature of reality, the true nature of ourselves, the actual workings of the universe. These are all hidden from our eyes. And in this darkness, then, any interpretation or conclusion, um, no matter how seemingly fake, is possible. Um, and moreover, any interpretation or conclusion is potentially justifiable thanks to the repository of competing and conflicting ideas known as the Internet. Man, this is a long answer, <laughs> but we're making progress. So 
in trying to determine what course of action may lead to a solution to fake news. Um, I think we have to get down to the disclaimer. I don't really have the answer, but if I was ahead in one direction, I think we have to get down to the level of cause and change the defining mythologies of society itself. I don't think people can combat fake news in and of itself, per se. I think rather that we can learn to be ambassadors of a new story, one that is inclusive and em empathetic to all people, one that sees beyond the surface disagreements over politics and policy, and sees the oneness of all people, the creator in the eyes of your brother and sister, no matter what they believe. And uh, a new story that values listening to others, especially those with whom we disagree, uh, with focus on our shared effort to find the highest and best truth. So, Vanessa, toward that end, I would highly recommend the book The More Beautiful World Our Hearts Know is Possible by Charles Eisenstein. Um, in the book, Eisenstein speaks more powerfully to our times than I, I tend to see anywhere uh, in visionary fashion describing a transition from an old story to a new. And I don't think he mentions fake news specifically, as the book was published in 2013, but he understands the conditions that lead to fake news and how, as we open ourselves to and embody a new story, we eliminate the very conditions that give rise to the old story of separation and the distortions like fake news that, arrive, that arise from it. Final paragraph. <laughs> um, so I don't know how to help others improve other let me emphasize that I don't know how to help others improve their discernment though I'm sure there are ways what is most immediately understandable to me is that as we increase discernment in ourselves we help the world to discern as we develop a love of clarity and open our hearts and through reason and faith lift our perspective above the fragmented energies of blocked lower chakras so too do we do the same for the world. How, however ununified, humanity is a collective body. There are no islands in that body. Everybody is interlinked, meaning that each cell in that body that is able to clear itself and vibrate a higher frequency of love contributes to the health of the whole, including to the faculty of vision, clarity, and clear seeing that the eyes provide. And I think that uh, I'm just going to sit out the next in the now after <laughs> that answer. Uh, back to you, Jim. Good job, Gary. I think that was pretty comprehensive. Austin, <laughs> what have you got to say to me? Balance to that. <laughs> I would offer uh, higher praise than um, pretty comprehensive. Um, I, my prepared answer is now thrown out the window. I can't really follow that up uh, in any way. I will say that I think that we should, instead of not letting Gary do the next episode, give him the entire episode to talk about fake news. Because <laughs> those are so well prepared and uh, researched, and um, I thought it was very insightful. And I don't have a whole lot of my prepared answer, or not a whole lot of my prepared answer will be able to add to that, but I will add some thoughts of my own. One which includes the idea that um, not everybody necessarily agrees on what fake or false news is. 
And I saw this coming when the mainstream media first introduced the term fake news. I knew that rather quickly it was going to be turned around and thrown back in their face, which it has to a large degree. And it has become probably a bigger weapon against them than it has uh, to battle what they would consider fake news. So uh, I think Gary's answer was uh, especially good because it, in in most ways, would address that no matter what you thought fake news was, whether you feel like the mainstream media is fake news or whether you feel that the more traditional uh, definition of fake news is, which I think um, is really what the focus should be. Fake news essentially is not what you see in the mainstream media, but just sort of a completely 100% fabricated story that you find online uh, that somebody makes up, not uh, necessarily to try to report anything in any real way, but rather just to get shares or likes. And it is completely manufactured and has no basis in reality. Whereas even if you believe that the mainstream media is fake news, there is at least some sort of basis in reality that they are drawing from, uh, not to share my own opinions on the topic. But uh, beyond that, Gary also had an insightful point about the uh, role of emotion versus rationality and how people uh, receive information or act even. Uh, I will add a my own recommendation of a book uh, that is not nearly as good as the book that Gary recommended, but uh, it did help me gain a lot of insight into the mind of a political person or somebody who has a lot of charged beliefs. Um, and that book is called The Righteous Mind, How Politics and Religion Divide Us, or something like that. I'm not sure if that's the real subtitle, but The Righteous Mind by uh, John Haidt, or Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. And uh, one of the primary things, I think the best part of this book, which there is a lot of the book to disagree with, but the best part of the book for me was an entire section dedicated to examining how our intuition and our emotions essentially guide our logic rather than the other way around. From our perspective, it really seems like our logic is the guiding force within our consciousness. But from uh, a scientific point of view, and I thought his science and um, philosophy, he referenced both science and philosophy, uh, was incredibly well put together and very convincing for me. So he uh, basically highlights how the intuition and our uh, rational minds interact sort of like an elephant and a rider. And our intuition being a sort of massive lumbering beast that might be somewhat guided by our logic and our rationalizations. But for the most part, it is its own, uh, its own animal. And for the most part, the small rider on top of it does not have a whole lot of control over where it goes. It can cause it to lean in certain directions, but for the most part, uh, emotion and intuition are how we act, how we speak, how we uh, basically view the world. So this is all relevant because of uh, Vanessa's part of the question where she asks how to guide people into the discernment of what is fake news. And I think that 
a very important aspect of moving forward in our current climate, political climate, cultural climate, anything, is how we approach people and how we attempt to communicate with them. And uh, the fact that logic is not the guiding force in people's lives becomes very apparent when you look at any time you've tried to change somebody's mind with logic. That's not to say that not anybody will have their mind changed by logic. There are some who have an emotional connection to logic that will allow them to integrate logic in a better way. But for the most part, if somebody has a strong-held political belief or cultural belief, you're, uh, for the most part, not going to be able to communicate in a logical way that will make them change their mind. Um, that doesn't mean that you need to abandon logic in any of your arguments, but it does mean to me that you should make emotion the underlying component of how you communicate, and uh, that does not mean to use their emotions to manipulate them to thinking how you do, but I think rather to acknowledge and accept the emotions, whether within yourself or within them, and uh, approach that from a compassionate point of view. I think that a lot of the communication that happens in the political sphere and just in culture in general is so based out of shouting your logical position at people and you just have information that you want to throw at them and say if you don't accept this you are such an idiot because this is the information and this is the truth and that is just not a good way to change people's minds so i think that to guide people uh into uh their discernment of what is truth or what is not truth relies heavily on acknowledging why they believe what they do to begin with. They're going to be drawn to fake news if that fake news is touching upon their uh, emotions. And Gary's uh, answer described that dynamic very, very well. So that's, um, I don't know if that made any sense at all or how relevant that really was, but it's uh, what I thought of based on Gary's answer. Any thoughts from you, Jim? That was a good answer, Austin. Uh, yeah, I'll uh, hit it from a little different angle, uh, trying to concentrate on practical pointers beyond meditation and radiation of love and light. <laughs> uh, everybody knows the news that you get on the television or um, the mass media is sponsored by uh, corporations, large corporations. And these large corporations are not going to sponsor any kind of broadcast of news that goes against their worldwide interests. And they have very wide interests. <laughs> They're involved in a lot of stuff, so uh, there's there's a lot of uh, self-censoring goes on just to uh, placate the uh, corporations that provide the money to provide the news. So I would recommend alternative news sources, and one of my favorites of all time is Democracy Now! by Amy Goodman. She gets no money from any corporation or business. She only gets money from public support. Listeners support Amy Goodman, and she has been doing going at this for about 20 years now. I've got a list of a few books that she's published over the years to give you an idea of what kind of things that she's into. In 2004, she published The Exception to the Rulers, Exposing Oily Politicians, War Profiteers, and the Media that Love Them, co-written with her brother, Mother Jones reporter David Goodman. In 2006, she published Static, Government Liars, Media Cheerleaders, and the People Who Fight Back. She appeared on The Colbert Report and promoted the book. In 2008, she wrote Standing Up to the Madness, Ordinary Heroes in Extraordinary Times, also with her brother, David Goodman. In 2009, she published Breaking the Sound Barrier, 
with a preface by journalist Bill Moyers, an anthology of columns written for the King Features Syndicate. In her first piece, she wrote, My column would include voices so often excluded, people whose views the media mostly ignore, issues they distort, and even ridicule. In 2012, she wrote, The Silenced Majority, Stories of Uprisings, Occupations, Resistance, and Hope. And in 2016, she wrote Democracy Now!, 20 years covering the movement's changing America. She's always got something unusually good to say. She invites uh, any politician that's involved in the news to come talk to her. Most don't want to come talk to her because she gets to the truth of things, and they're rather embarrassed by the truth. But she gets people on there that knows what's going on, and she... Uh, she shares it with anybody who's interested. And so I would recommend an alternative news source, and that would be Democracy Now. Anybody have any final thoughts? Um, I have a short thought on that note. I agree 100% with uh, everything you say and the people that you cite. But having seen a, a plurality of perspectives among the Law of One community, I would suspect that some people who might be listening, or at least many people out there would consider sources like Amy Goodman or others, uh, highly biased, uh, which I wouldn't uh, myself agree with, but um, uh, there are people who would say that. And so uh, I think the approach to news, whether it is Amy Goodman or uh, CNN or Fox News or whatever you listen to, would pretty much always be the same. And that's simply just asking yourself whenever you're reading or watching something, whatever it is, um, just ask what could be the agenda uh, what are some positive alternative views to this story that uh, might not be considered in this story? Where is the money coming from in this story? Which I think Jim highlighted why a source like Amy Goodman is a good um, uh, place to go for that question. Or And what kind of influences are at play here? So no matter what your news source, whether you like it or dislike it, I think that you can approach it the same with a certain type of discernment. Um, and that would go for whether you appreciate somebody like Amy Goodman or Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> Good points, Austin. Uh, Gary, any th final thoughts? Yeah, I think I do have a couple of quick final points. One is that had Austin gone first, I think I, I would have been in the same exact boat. <laughs> um, and uh, two, regarding fake news, like Austin had mentioned that um, once it became a uh, kind of a, um, an accusation or a more popular term, then it got um, thrown back to the uh, initiators of the term. And uh, I've, I've seen that definitely. And I've seen the term kind of conflated to mean um, a new source which disagrees with me or which has a bias which I don't share. And um, there's, of course, a great range of what constitutes fake news, but um, I think there is a, a pure end of the spectrum where the news is completely uh, and intentionally even fabricated. Right. And um, towards that, uh, um, as evidence of that, uh, I learned while listening to those podcasts that there is there is a town in Macedonia, like the country north of Greece, uh, <laughs> Alexander the Great, Macedonia, um, where young people like teens and 20s have found a way to make money fabricating these stories and a lot of the stories that got circulated during election the election could be traced back to uh macedonia because they um through social media and advertising platforms found that if they just wrote false headlines they could um make money They're not the only source of course but point is is that there is stuff that is definitely uh 
falsify or false out there. But anyways, uh, great answers, guys. Okay, well, I think that does it for our show this week. Looks like we're out of time. Yep. Um, you've been listening to the LL Research's weekly podcast, In the Nap. If you've enjoyed the show, please visit our websites, llresearch.org and bringforth.org. Thanks so much for listening, and a special thank you to those who submitted questions. If you'd like to send us a question before the next show, please read the instructions on our page at www.llresearch.org forward slash podcast. New episodes are published up to the archive website every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern. We want you all to know we love you very much, and we feel that love from you coming back to us. Share it with everybody you see. Have a wonderful week.